This is Fall on Blast, part of the On Blast Podcast Network, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you like it, then subscribe and tell your friends. Holla. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're far too kind for tuning in once again to a little thing we like to call the Ball on Blast Podcast. My name is Sheldon Alexander. And as always, I'm joined by my guy, Andrew Webster. Now, Webby, hold on, hold on. Before, before you know, I, I know I let you jump right in. I just want to <laughs> say apologies yeah. to the peoples out there. You know, last week, we normally record on Thursday night. But the NBA sked, Raptors-Warriors, was big things last Thursday. It so, was a big, important game. Big game, you know. So that night, we ended up doing the wrap-it-up pod of for the Raptors-Warriors game. But, you know, ball on blast still here. Still here, not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. We're not going nowhere. Exactly. Here to talk everything NBA, right? Not just raps, everything. Full league, all the jokes, all the big storylines, everything that's going on in the NBA. Here with my guy, Andrew Webster. Webby, what is good? I thought this was the Austin Matthews Appreciation Podcast. I'm here for that too. I thought this was Leafs Wave Podcast. <laughs> That's what I'm here. That that's why I'm here. Oh, uh, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Uh, yeah, missed last week, uh, but don't worry, man. Like like every week in the NBA, there is always tons to talk about, and this week, no different. It's so good, you know. The NBA, as we like to say, is the absolute best. And the thing I love most about the NBA is obviously the off court drama is cool and whatever fine but i also just love when we get to watch great games and great performances so we mentioned last week obviously the warriors and raptors game right you're seeing Kawhi leonard go toe for toe to toe with kevin durant that's just amazing to watch and break down and talk about that last night right last night being wednesday we're taping this on thursday night but another big matchup huge matchup on in the nba where you had i mean it was a double dip so raptors sixers in the first half and then second half was Lakers Spurs big night in the NBA but let's start with the Sixers and Raptors because obviously those are two teams that matter to us personally right like we we are heavily invested in both of those teams so what better place to start there Webby and the Raptors massive win I think it was kind of I, I call those games show me games right like statement games first look at the Raptors against the Sixers with Jimmy Butler in tow Raptors yeah. win 113 102 and Kawhi Leonard, beast mode, 36 points. Unbelievable. 36 points, nine rebounds, five steals, five threes for Kawhi. Your boy Jimmy Butler also put in work. But Webby, I'm going to ask you, what went wrong for the Sixers in that game? Um, Well, I I think what went wrong last night was actually a result of something that's been going wrong about the last two weeks, which is – and I'm really happy that Joel Embiid is – healthy and playing at 100% of his capabilities. But a guy that big, um, you can't play him as much as they had. And I think that last night, especially in that game against the Raptors, he looked remarkably tired. He did. I, I don't think that uh, um, arrested Joel Embiid relies that heavily on the three-pointers as he did last night. Um, now, Simmons has had his problems against Kawhi as – has most of the league. I mean, Kawhi is obviously one of the best defenders in the league, and he shut down Ben Simmons before. He did it again last night. Um, I thought really, and I was talking to I was talking to work about this today. I said that listen, you know how much I love 
TJ McConnell. Mm-hmm. But when TJ McConnell is your third best player or fourth best player on the floor, uh, you're not gonna you're not gonna win many games. And TJ was really good last night, and he's been really good since they've made this trade for Jimmy Butler. But again, you need to have more. You need to have more from your starters if you're going to want to beat the Raptors. I mean, the Raptors hurt you from 1 to 10. Um, I thought that the Philly bench did a good job of playing against that Vaughn and Toronto second unit. I thought that that was played to a draw, but I just thought in that fourth quarter when the starters came back out, it was pretty evident that the Sixers starters weren't going to get it done. Now, I think that Butler played amazing, but uh, he took a technical foul early in the fourth quarter that took him right out of the game. And after that, it was kind of curtains. And Embiid got a foul late in that game as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He got a tech as well. It's it's true you brought up, you know, your starters got to play big. And the reality is, and we've seen this from, I always go back to the LeBron big three with Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade. And back then, when that was going on, we were both at the score, but I was doing a segment called the Heat Check. And I remember there was a magic number, I want to say, that was like 74 or 75, somewhere around there. And basically, when those three guys got to that number, yeah. they their record was just insane, right? And But really, the what we learned from that is, in these instances, chances are, if you have three star players on your team, the, your depth, right, your bench isn't going to be that good. Right. Like it's, it's tough to have a roster that it's like Golden State. Right. So your three guys have to cook night in, night out. Jimmy cooked last night. Ben Simmons, not so much. But again, you mentioned the fact that, you know, you're going against Kawhi and who's going to do that against Kawhi. Durant maybe had one of the best games of his life. You know what I mean? It's yeah. few and far between. But Jojo really struggled. And to me, it was tough for Jojo because. The reason why, and to me, the key to this game for the Raptors was JV and Surge. It was this plan by Nick Nurse working out perfectly. You're playing both these guys lesser minutes, but now when they come into the game, they're both going like running on full cylinders. They're both fresh. They both have so much energy. And if you're Joel Embiid playing, you don't get to rest. And the way that they, you could correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm sure you watch more Sixers games than I do. But I feel like one of the strengths of what your team does is they'll play Joel Embiid a lot with the bench against the other team's bench. Yeah. And he gets a cook a lot in that instance. But against the Raptors, you're against JV, who isn't like, you know, he's not an all-star center, but he could start on a lot of teams. Joel still has to, like, work hard on defense. You know what I mean? He got JV three quick fouls, but then in comes Monroe, who's like, no, he's not trash either, right? No, and he's got that veteran savvy as well. But, I mean, still, I, I think that Embiid is, is up to the challenge, usually when it comes to these bigs that he plays against. And I, I just think that you're right. I think that Nick Nurse had the perfect plan of cycling in the bigs. He had to think on his feet when JV picked up that quick third and bringing in Monroe was a good was a good call. But kind of hitting JoJo with the with the – what do they say in baseball? When you change your sight lines, when you change your eye line, you know, yeah, you threw yeah, the yeah. high heat and then the slow mm-hmm. curve. It's the same thing with bringing out Serge Ibaka and Jonas Valanciunas, right? Yeah. They're, they're both playing the same position, but they couldn't play it more differently. And, and to give JoJo those two looks, definitely going to add into the struggles that he had. But again, I think that uh, 
fatigue had a lot to do with what Embiid's struggles were all about last night. I mean, you just don't see him take five threes in a game like that. You can tell that he was he was gassed. Totally right, Webby. And it's not a knock against Embiid at all, right? Like, I thought some people, the people that did mention the big guys, I felt like the narrative was, oh, JV drastically outplayed Embiid. And it's like, okay, cool. The numbers dictate that, right? Or indicate that. But the reality is, JV played the whole fourth or played most of the fourth. He only played 18 minutes in that game, yeah. right? So he's going he to get extremely tired. efficient in those 18 minutes, though. Yeah, and he's going against a tired Joel Embiid who had to play the whole fourth quarter, right? But Joel Embiid's tired at that point, and now JV's coming off the bench and he's fresh. That's energy, that's hustle, that's the extra rebounds, that's running the floor and getting easy dunks. Like, we saw JV dunk for, like, the first time in, like, what, three games? Yeah, and it always looks so awkward. (laughs) His His dunks don't look natural, you know? Uh, the other thing I want to get your opinion on, Webby, is there is a stat that they said during the Raptors broadcast that Ben Simmons has not attempted a shot from outside 21 feet in his entire career. Is that A, is that actually true? And B, is that a problem? Uh, it is true. And I don't think it is a problem right now with the okay. way the team is constructed. Uh, I think that's exactly why you have J.J. Redick. Uh, I don't. Who played th- well? I, he did. I thought he played really well, especially fighting back from that uh, weird like foot injury that he had too in the second mm-hmm. half. Because um, if he goes down, then I think the Sixers are in big trouble. Because, like you say, you've got a point guard or you know one of your best players, one of your big threes, who just does not shoot from outside. Um, yeah. Now, again, is it a problem right now? No, I don't think so. The Sixers are still really good, despite getting throttled at the hands of the best team in the NBA. Uh, they're still a really good basketball team, and they've got a lot of really good things going on. So, uh, For sure. But, but heading forward, this is something that, like, he might have to start adding into his game. You know, it's so weird why he why this isn't something that, it's, that, that he works on constantly and, and why he doesn't even try it out in a game. It, it is weird, right? Like, it is completely strange to me that the way that last season ended, where the Celtics basically just game-planned and sagged off him like crazy, that he didn't spend the entire summer just working on a jump shot. And the other weird part to this is all the flack that Foltz has gotten for his jumper. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know Ben Simmons, obviously his shot's not broken, but he does shoot the jumper meanwhile we're like analyzing every single three that Fultz was taking before he eventually just left the team right Right. but you know what i'm saying like it is it's just an odd situation that i don't understand why you wouldn't you know hire one of those scammer trainers or whatever right and spend the summer trying to develop your jump shot because if he added that to his game it's a wrap no yeah if he adds it to his game i mean it's it's literally lights out for the rest of the league just because of all the yeah. physical skills he possesses. Now, is it something that he can, can add to his game? Of course. What, he's 22, 23 years old, maybe? He's a kid. I mean, he's it's not kid. like his career is over by any stretch of the imagination, and it's something that we've seen, that we saw LeBron add to his game, too. When LeBron for came sure. to the league, he didn't necessarily have a great outside game. Uh, but that's something that he worked on diligently throughout the first few years of of his career and became, if not, you know, not a great three-point shoot, 
shooter, but a, a serviceable three-point shooter. Yo, LeBron is wedding deep daggers this yeah, season. Yeah, now that right? it's this year, it's just nuts. <laughs> like, his but range is saying. stupid. Yeah, no, I totally know what you're saying, though. Um, overall, though, and, you know, I always say this about the Raptors, and so obviously you have to have the, the same idea with the Sixers as well, that this is a game that in December, in early December, 100%. right? So I'm not going to overreact and say, hey, because I saw this a lot today on Twitter that, you know, oh, the Sixers have no chance against the Raptors now against the play, in the playoffs. And it's like, whoa, 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 let's slow down here, right? I'm not willing to go that far. But what I do want to ask you is you've seen the Jimmy Butler now, and obviously they've played really well since Jimmy Butler's joined the team. How do you rank, you know, what, you're 10, 11 games in with Jimmy Butler? How do you rank the East right now? And I don't mean in terms of standings. I just mean in terms of, Who's the better team? Well, Do you know what I mean? obviously, number one is Raptors. Yeah. Now, at number two, uh, I, I'm going to put the Sixers at number two. I really am. I agree with you. Um, I, I think that that addition of Jimmy Butler is exactly what we've been saying. I mean, since the deal happened and we were talking when I was in Philly, it, it's like this is exactly the kind of player that this team needed and that the city needed. Uh, like they need a strong like they, I I don't know if you were watching you were watching the Sportsnet broadcast of the game but the ESPN broadcast of the game had Jimmy Butler mic'd up and okay. every time he was on the bench and there was a timeout he was up on his feet talking clapping no t- no turnovers guys no turnovers let's get a bucket get a stop bucket stop like it, it's like having a coach out there and. I know a lot of people have criticized Jimmy Butler with the way that he handled that Minnesota situation but. Honestly, man, that's the kind of guy that you want with the team that the Sixers have. It's exactly the personality and the exact type of game that you want in there. A guy who can play defense, hit big shots, and and rally the troops. So uh, I I think that that addition is huge for the Sixers. And honestly, I don't think that they're done either. I I think there's still moves to be made. Yeah, they have to know that they need to add more pieces to their bench, especially because their bench is really, really thin. But I do want to bring up the fact that, yes, Jimmy Butler was a great pickup, but I also think that on the low, Wilson Chandler is just another grown-up, and that team needs grown-ups. That's a really, really, really good point. Now, do I love Wilson Chandler in the starting five? No. No. But I do love Wilson Chandler and having him as a piece of your team. Yeah, you need grown-ups in this league, right? In the same way as we flip over to the Raps, just seeing what, obviously we know Kawhi Leonard is outstanding, but Danny Green just adds another grown-up to the Mm -hmm. team that you can rely on him night in, night out, whereas if that's OG in that spot, you don't know what you're going to get on a nightly basis, right? Like, it's going to be good, and he's going to progress and be solid, but Danny Green, you know you're getting at least solid defense from yeah, him. Night, night in, yeah, night he's in. not going to take any plays off or anything like that. For sure. But bottom line, as you said, I agree with you with the rankings in terms of the teams in the East. And I, I with the Raptors, is number one. I think that's you know fair to say. They still have the top record in the league. Kawhi Leonard is balling out of his mind. The way that the Raptors are cooking right now, even – they're sustaining a shooting slump from Kyle Lowry. But the beauty of it is, in spite of Kyle Lowry's poor shooting, he epitomizes to me what makes the Raptors good. And that is, they're deep, but all their guys, minus, let's say, say for, let's say, CJ, CJ Miles, right? All their guys do multiple things. Yeah. 
So if the shot's not falling, Kyle Lowry is taking big time charges against Joel Embiid. He's still moving the yeah, ball. Looking He's still pass. doing the outlet pass. Yeah. Right? He's making the long outlet pass to Pascal to get the fast break going. Like he's making plays still, even though his shot's not falling. That to me is what, you know, big boy teams are made of. How can you affect the game when your shot's not falling? And we're seeing that right now from the Toronto Raptors and Kawhi is basically carrying the offense, but we'll get to Kawhi in, in a bit. I'll say that. Okay. But let's flip from, we just talked about the Eastern conference. We'll go to the Western conference and start our turn up, turn down segment. And for those people who are unaware from the Ball on Blast podcast, I know we took a week off, so maybe you <laughs> forgot. So I'll explain how this works, right? Essentially, we make a hot take, and then it's either turn up, which equals good, turn down, which equals bad. Pretty simple, right? Pretty easy. First hot take. First hot take for you, Webby. The Nuggets are the best team in the West. Turn up or turn down, Mr. Andrew Webster. Turn it down. Okay. Best team in the West is the Oklahoma City Thunder. Woo! I'm stunned that you said that, but I actually agree. The with Oklahoma you. City going. Thunder right now look to me like the hottest, most complete team. They've got so many people. I don't know how they've kind of lucked in to this lineup that they're putting out there now, but for so many, for how many years have we been so frustrated with? Well, what? Like, why is this lineup built the way it is? Why don't they have any shooters? Why are they surrounding Russell Westbrook with Steven Adams and nobody else? But now, after a couple of years of being together, I'm telling you, man, the PG, Schroeder, Westbrook, uh, uh, Adams combination, there's something about it, man. And I'm telling you, the uh, Eddie Munster, say what you will about him, man. He's got this team playing really well. They've won, what, like, five of their last six, six of their last seven or something. This is a team that plays with high energy every single night. They bring defensive energy every single night. They are long. They are athletic. They are the Clippers if the Clippers had real superstar talent on their team. And we can't forget that the Oklahoma City Thunder have two of the, what, top ten players in the NBA playing on their team? Yeah. No, it's crazy, right? And I think you, you mentioned it. Defense is the key, right? There's so much focus, obviously, on the high-scoring, run-and-gun. You know, we're playing for massive possessions or multiple possessions, and the game is speeding up and all that. And I think the part that gets missed is, at the end of the day, when you need to make stops to get back into a game, defense matters so, so much. And if there's one thing that the Oklahoma City Thunder can do, it's play defense. And they've been doing that so far this year, and Roberson hasn't even played yet. And he's probably, what, their best yeah. defender? So they're only going to get is better. he coming back One this year? Is he coming back team. this season? Yes, I'm pretty sure he's coming back okay. at some point. I don't think he's out for the year. I'm pretty sure about that. But the one thing that I think really helped was, in a weird way, Russ going down early helped them integrate Schroeder into their lineup, right? Also, it entrusted Paul George to get him more confident right in terms of running the offense and being that focal point where it's not just I'm gonna play off of Russ I'm just gonna get busy on my own right so now when you insert Russ do we realize that Russell Westbrook is averaging a triple double this year and nobody's yeah. talking about it <laughs> no I know it's crazy because you know what the triple double stat 
uh, like fell off a cliff after he won the MVP. But that's because of what he did. Do you know what I mean? Like he almost ruined it for himself. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so crazy. But the way that they're doing, the, the way that they're cooking right now, and I'm looking at this, I'm trying to, to count it up. They're obviously on a crazy run, but essentially they are, they've lost what? Three times since the start of November. Right? So, that's like, it, eh? that's a solid run. They're on a yeah. crazy run. They started off 0-4, right? This, they started the season 0-4, and, and then after that, they've reeled off this record. And they're just playing so crazy right now. Ruck back in the lineup. He's still playing. Does Paul George, Paul George has looked. I mean, the other night against New Jersey, that was insane. Brooklyn, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Or Bro- oh, New Jersey, Jesus! Hey, that's all right. Uh, how washed? How washed am I? <laughs> um, I mean, that was incredible. And not only was that incredible just to see like kind of the old Paul George come back like that, but the fact that Westbrook passed up the last shot. So it's funny you bring that up, right? Because forty-seven points for Paul George in that game. Forty-seven points on twenty-seven shots. My dude hit six three-pointers, including the game-winning oh. three. But also add in 15 rebounds, which, as you said, an old school Paul George game where you're just watching him cook like we're used to. Add in Russ's 21, 17, and 15. That's just stupid, right? But going back to Paul George, the key part in that game, Webby, they're down. They make the, they mount this crazy comeback, and then they get the ball down one, and Billy and Russ has the ball, and Russ is going. Russ can take it. Billy Donovan calls timeout. And sets up a play that the master, Russ. the the mastermind Eddie Munster calling the timeout, getting the whiteboard out right? to call the play to call a play that has Russ passing the ball to Paul George. I mean, hey, we talked about it at the start of the year, and I said I was super excited to see how OKC would do in year two with Paul George and with no Melo, right? Because. What happens in that instance is Jeremy Grant's in there, but he's not commanding shots, right? He's getting his minutes based off of energy, right? Terrence exactly. Ferguson, who's getting minutes. Same thing. You got to come in. Even Albinus. Defense. Even Albinus. Or what? Abrinas or whatever yeah, that yeah. kid. Like, he, what he provides even offensively off the bench is nothing but energy. Mm-hmm. And those guys become so important because they know their role. Hit open shots, play defense, and you're going to get minutes. Everybody sort of falls into their place. Some solid pickups in terms of Nerlens Noel as a backup big. He's yeah. found new life. He's active. He's rebounding off the bench, being a shot blocker. And you mentioned Schroeder. You turn Mello into Schroeder, which helps Russ play off the ball a little more. It's also another ball creator because as we saw in the playoffs, if it wasn't Russ and it wasn't Paul George, it was Raymond Felton last year in the playoffs. And that's not good for anybody. <laughs> right. No, I really love I love when they play Westbrook and Schroeder at the same time. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that. that is a sexy look. That's so great. I agree. I just think the OKC, everyone's sleeping on OKC because, you know, we've gotten bored with Russ's triple doubles. The West is so chaotic that everything's shifting over and over again. But I'm joining you and turning down on the Denver Nuggets being the best team in the west because 
I still think, obviously, Golden State's better than them. I'd still take the Thunder over them. I'd still take LeBron and the Lakers over them, right? So, I thought about LeBron. Yeah, I thought about saying the Lakers. I, I just don't think – I like, I think the Nuggets are really great, and I think that come playoff time, they're going to give a lot of people a lot of trouble, but I just don't think that they're the best team in a stacked Western Conference. I think that they're up there. I definitely would put them, you know, if not 1A, then 1C or 1B, you know, but – being tip top of that conference, man, I don't think they've done enough to set themselves apart quite yet. Agreed. I don't think they're ready yet. They're not ready for prime time. They're they're almost there. They're a great regular season team. I think they'll have a great record and finish maybe in the top top four of the Western Conference. But again, if we're talking about who is the best team, I don't think it's the Denver Nuggets. I'm easily going to turn down on that. That's just me, though. Love to hear what the people think. As always, send us what you guys think, comments, questions, concerns about who's the best team in the West and anything else we're talking about in this uh, Ball on Blast podcast, right? Exactly. Hit us up. Uh, next topic, and we're going back to a, a league-wide thing. And the reason why um, I skipped ahead and went from East Coast to West Coast, but we touched on Joel Embiid. And you talked last week, Webby, about how you thought Joel Embiid was an MVP candidate. Uh, Doris Burke came on the show. Tim and Sid this week and you know oh it's cool. So cool every once in a while like producing that show but having someone like Doris Burke come in like it's really dope because she's literally the goat <laughs> do you know yeah, what I mean like exactly. goat reporter and legit legit and I bring this up Webby because goat ball handler she backed up your point and she said that she thought Joel Embiid was playing at an MVP level as well so our next turn up turn down topic is is Joel Embiid still the MVP of the NBA? Listen, I just love that Doris and I are in the same wavelength, okay? <laughs> That's it, all right? Me and D, we know what's up. Yeah. So right now I think uh, it's tough because in the last week I think things have gotten a lot more jumbled up than they were. I thought it was pretty clear. Um, we had a pretty clear one-two, uh, however you put them in there in MVP last week. Thought it was Joel and Giannis, but bro, to be quite honest, I'm turning down on Joel MVP. Joel for MVP right now. Yeah, and, I mean, and to watch how that last game played out with the Raptors, that is a swaying. You know what I mean? Like that's a big boy matchup where you need your MVP. Yeah. You know, these are the big boy games where Kobe would say, "Put your big boy pants on." Right? Exactly. Exactly. And you know what? They've been running him out there. He's been playing at an exceptionally high level, but it, it's just not. It, it, not sustainable right now for him to keep playing like this the whole entire year. And again, that game against the Raptors is a really good example why. No, the MVP right now for me, and I'm sorry that we keep doing this every single show it seems like, it's LeBron James. <laughs> it's it's that. LeBron. It's LeBron. There's no I like I don't know. I don't think that there's any question about it. There's nobody more valuable to their team. He leads the Lakers in points. Rebounds, assists, field goal percentage, three-point percentage. He's single-handedly taking them, dragging them into the top half of the Western Conference. That game against the Spurs, LeBron is just on fuego. And the thing that hurts LeBron is that he can chill and still get like 37-7. and seven, Right? Yeah. And that's like the scary part. But you see games like last night where you can see he's going and... 
he's starting to to feed off that Lakers crowd, right? Like you saw Adam Sandler sitting courtside. <laughs> yeah. right? the, the stars are out, and he's feeding off that. He, he's hitting deep dagger threes and hyping up to the crowd, and he's starting to feel that vibe. And as long as he does that, in that like in that spotlight where that narrative is going to continue to build it's going to be tough to beat out lebron james for mvp for sure because we talked about it before storylines win mvps and if lebron is doing it big on like in la la land with that team and the way that he's playing too like when he's on and he's aggressive and he he was just bullying rudy gay last night it was just yeah not even fair inside outside and one drives throwing down monster dunks he's starting to figure out how to play with those guys too like what situations i'm gonna give it to heart when i'm gonna let lonzo create yeah you know what i mean and he's starting to figure that out which is what lebron has done in every instance that he switched teams right he sort of weighs out the first 15 games or so right yeah. he sits and kind of feels it out gets used to his teammates sees how how work so I hear you. I, I think that's interesting in terms of LeBron, but I have a different answer, Webby. Okay, hand me. I'm going to turn down as well on Joel Embiid as the MVP. Sorry to you and to Doris, but I understand. Last week, hey, this NBA, things change in a week. And over the past week, there's one man that, to me, has firmly took his place on the best team in the NBA currently. Uh-huh. And he is firmly the best player on said team. But I'm just going to read out some stats from the past four games for you, okay? Okay. Overtime win against the Golden State Warriors, 37 points, 8 rebounds, okay? Yeah. A win against the bummy Cleveland Cavaliers, but there's no Kyle Lowry, so you got to step up. 34 points, 9 rebounds, 2 blocks, okay? A tough loss to the Denver Nuggets. Close game could have went either way. 27 and 8. I'll take that, right? The last game against your Sixers, 36 points, nine rebounds, Mm. five steals, five three-pointers. Of course, I'm talking about Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard, to me, is the MVP of the NBA right now because how often do we see it? The best player on the best team. And I know that's oversimplifying things, but when you're watching Kawhi Leonard and the way that he affects the game on both ends of the floor... To me, it's easy. Kawhi Leonard is the MVP. The only reason people aren't going to say that is because the Raptors' profile isn't big enough yet or they're docking him for sitting out the second half of back-to-backs to start the season, which, hey, I understand, but that also means you got to X out LeBron for he's playing, but he's chilling during a lot of games. <laughs> X out the Golden State guys because uh, Steph's missed a bunch of games as well, right? So there's other people you got to notch down the list. I'll listen to me. Not Joel. Not Joel Embiid. He hasn't been taking any games off. True. True. He should be. he also got crushed by JV. (laughs) (laughs) I'm joking. I'm joking. But you know what I'm saying? I'm I'm confidently rolling with Kawhi just because I feel like he's taking it up a notch. And they had the stat the other day. I think it was Josh Lewenberg that had it on Kawhi during regular, during uh, the, the primetime TV games. Right? And just think. When he sees a big-time matchup, he's ready for that. He's hyped up for that, right? He's gone at KD. He's gone at your guy Jimmy Butler. He's just been ready. And Leonard on national TV, okay, against the Celtics, a win, 31-10-3. Against the Celtics, again, OT loss, 31-15-4. and 
against Golden State, just said it. 37-3, sort 37-8 and 3 and against Philly, 36-9 and 1. It's just amazing like as the games get bigger. Yeah, he shows out no doubt. It's disgusting to watch him just take over a game. And I'll, I'll say this, Webby. I know I just ranted for way too long. But the most impressive part to me comes from Danny Green, okay? Raptors had this full day again, all access. Yeah. Great promo for ESPN to get Americans acclimated to the Raptors. Because yeah. if they make a run, you need to get Americans to buy in and care about this team before the playoffs happen, right? Right. So it makes total sense. But Danny Green was on first take. And Stephen A. asked him about his chemistry with Kawhi Leonard going from San Antonio and obviously now playing with the Raptors. And I thought this answer was just a championship mentality. Danny Green said that him and Kawhi both pride themselves in being the best wing defenders in the league. They want to go out night in, night out and shut down the other team's perimeter players. And I thought, that's incredible. In this era of 2018, this Instagram culture where every dunk or three-pointer selly is like what we see on Instagram and what's in the highlights, here's two dudes that are saying, no, 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 I want to go out and shut down the other team's best dude. That, to me, was amazing, and that, to me, personifies what I want for my MVP, which is holding it on both ends of the floor. Yeah, it makes... (laughs) There's no question about it. It, 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 It's dominant play on both ends of the ball. However, however, However. you know that this MVP race in the NBA every year is all about narrative. True. So does does what Kawhi Leonard has been doing for the Raptors and his basic lack of personality hurt him in an MVP race? I think for it to for it to come to fruition in the and Kawhi to win MVP, the Raptors have to win like sixty five plus games and just be that far and away the best team in the NBA. It's got to be a team wise. thing. Yeah, it's got to be that Dirk. Remember when Dirk won MVP because the Mavs were so far ahead of everyone else right. that year, right? It's got to be one of those where he has a great season, but it's clearly we're giving it to the best player on the best team because this team was so far and away the best team in the regular season. And the Raptors could do that. Because the other part, like you watched the ESPN broadcast of that Sixers game, mm-hmm. right? I caught the interview with Tom Rinaldi today. I saw it today. But post game, he's talking to Kawhi, and he's just asking him about, you know, just getting acclimated to Toronto. And the thing I found interesting about Kawhi was he's saying he also prides himself in going in night in, night out, regardless of who your opponent is, and stepping up and, and being consistent and going at going hard every single night that's rare to hear someone say in the nba right nba but it's also rare to see in the nba back it up we're with so the play where you know guys take night nights off right oh yeah but he has one speed and i know he's still easing his way back in right and we keep talking about is he at 100 percent? is he not at 100 percent? i don't know man how much more do we want than 36 9 5 steals and five threes I mean, you can't argue with it <laughs> now the only thing that we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up is is Giannis, because it seems like what Mario Hazonia did to the Greek freak a couple of days ago has completely awoken the beast. 
I mean, you see what he did to Blake Griffin the other day? <laughs> yes, I did. What crazy. last night? Yeah, he had a was last night. Yeah, he had a couple crazy. of big plays against the Pistons last night, and I'm just like, if he continues what he has been doing the last you know, the game, I'm always going to come back to what Hazonia did to him. <laughs> as being the turning as point. being the turning point because bef- for those who, who m- might not know what Webby's talking about, Hazonia dunked on on Giannis and then did the Iverson step over Lou on the way back down while then pumping up the crowd and then in the post game someone asked Giannis what he thought about it and Giannis is like no I didn't like that next time I'm gonna punch him in the nuts yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the reporter kind of like chuckled like really and he's like. Yeah, really. Like, completely deadpan, stone face. Like, he was not. No, happy he wasn't. Now, the other thing I like is Hazonia wearing the full white sleeves, playing at MSG <laughs> like it's a Big East tournament game. This guy is just. He might be the most insane NBA player I've ever like seen in my your life. Boy, your, your man's Jerry McIntyre. Yeah, yeah. Jumping on the scorer's table after a seven yes. overtime game. Um, <laughs> but honestly, like. Uh, we went from like, oh, you know, the Greek freak, what a great, what a great story, you know, is this the year that he makes the leap to now because of what Hazonia did, he, uh, Giannis might go on a murder spree here, like he might be getting bodies every night, and if he really turns it up, it could be his MVP award to lose. I mean, it's a genius outfit that they're running there in Milwaukee where everything for Giannis is going towards the basket. And he's just getting dunks. Like he's shooting 57% this year from the floor, but averaging 27 points, 13 rebounds, and six assists, plus a block, plus a steal and a half. That's incredible, right? Like, so you're right. And right now they're second in the East, not that far back from the Raptors, but it's it's interesting. His numbers are just disgusting. It's just, I think it's going to come down to what you said. How far and away are the Raptors the best team in the East slash NBA? Uh, But, yeah, we both turned down on that one, right? We both turned down. But, hey, that's what the conversation is. Again, people, let us know what you think. Who is the MVP right now? All teams are around the 25-ish games mark of the season. Before we go on, I've got a new – well, first of all, I've got to talk about Doe or White, my boy, Luca, who has just been outstanding – but I was He might not be MVP, but rookie of the year for sure. But I was thinking another guy who might sneak it into the MVP conversation who also qualifies for Doughy or just White is bag of milk Nikola Jokic. <laughs> I mean, I know we touched on the Nuggets, but what he's been doing too this season has been really impressive. And I think that at the end of the year he might get some MVP votes, if not first place votes and like second or third place votes, because he's been playing on an absolute other level as well. I was so impressed with his game. Like he is like a point center. Yeah, right. It's, like he's, it's awesome. It's like an old school like Sabonis mixed with like sure. George Meekin. Like it is just a little Vladdy. Oh man, like, it is the finesse game. It's all under the rim, but he's still getting rebounds. He's diming like everywhere, throwing like magic no looks Ew, cross, cross court. court, whipping the ball across. Ooh, I think we got to give some love to the doughy, if not white boys, uh, of Jokic. <laughs> I heard the somebody said I think it was Grange tweeted out that like he looks like a bag of milk with the jersey on, and I was like that is yes, a that is that. a very Canadian tweet that Americans just <laughs> won't get. Like what is a bag of milk? Like, what? 
what's a bag of milk? What does that even mean? <laughs> so I had to throw that out there in our MVP conversation. No, no, no. It's it's totally a great point, my dude. I mean, at the end of the day, what Jokic is doing is stupid as well, and it's just one of those. It's just another reminder, right? That like, hey, there's so much talent right now in the NBA, and so many good teams. And I know you got the super team in Golden State, but. You know, they've got work to do. They've teams right under Yeah, and they've got work coming. to do. They they got step back and listen, they look a lot better, but they, they, it's not going to be a cakewalk like it has been the last couple of years for that and, team. Hey, we also saw Steph miss some time. Draymond's still been out for a while. If there's an injury to the Warriors, it's not the cakewalk that everyone anticipates it's going to be, right? Whether or not Boogie comes back cuz we don't know what Boogie's going to be when he comes back. We have no idea. So super interesting times in the NBA and super interesting, interesting times on the ball on blast podcast, because you know what? We're going to move on to the next topic in turn up, turn down again, turn up. We make the hot take turn up equals good. Turn down equals bad. Now I'm going to give you the hot take and then I'm going to give you the quotes <laughs> to where this comes. All right. From, right. Or maybe no, I'll read the quotes first. So essentially Rick Buecher wrote this article that was basically about star players don't want to play with LeBron, right? The headlines that came out of this article were from one Kevin Durant, <laughs> who always seems to find a way to make himself a, a talking point in the yeah, NBA, right? good Kevin headlines. He, here, here's a quote. Quote, so much hype comes from being around LeBron from other people. He has so many fanboys in the media, even the beat writers just fawn over him. I'm like, we're playing basketball here. And it's not even about basketball at certain points. So I get why anyone wouldn't want to be in that environment because it's toxic, especially when the attention is bullshit attention fluff. It's not LeBron's fault at all. It's just the fact you have so many groupies in the media that love to hang on every word. Just get out of the way and let us play basketball. (laughs) Now. This there's another level because there's another quote about Kawhi and why Kawhi wouldn't want to play there, yeah. but essentially, the next turn up turn down question is: star players should want to play with LeBron, turn up or turn down. I I mean like, I'm gonna turn up. I mean whoever wants to go play with LeBron can go play with LeBron. I think that exactly. that quote says way more about Kevin Durant than it does about uh, LeBron James or players going to play with the teams that he plays for yeah definitely last week i heard this this uh i love the dan lebitard show right and they had a very interesting conversation about the difference between kevin durant and lebron james because the way that kevin durant is perceived by the media the way that he reacts to the media the way that he went to golden state and the attention that he received for winning finals mvp like lebron already did all of this so all KD had to do was just follow LeBron's lead. Like yeah. you got to see the mistakes that LeBron made well, and then learned from himself, but now you're KD. You got to watch those two and he just continues to like dig himself deeper and deeper into these pitfalls, right? My whole thing with Kevin Durant is that it's not the media that goes after Durant, okay? It's not yeah. it it's not the people on TV. It's not the people in print. It's not the blog boys that he talks about. Everybody fawns over Kevin Durant because he's one of the most talented players in the NBA. It, sure. It's the fans. It's the people like uh, me and you. It's the people who go on Twitter, who watch NBA every night. 
they're the ones who talk all this mess on Durant, and yep. this is what gets him so upset. It, 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 I, I don't understand that he has this hate for the media when the media is his best friend. Yeah, and also, too, you can tell from those quotes, right, certain things that is being said, right? LeBron has all these media people fawn over him. Well, cool. You could do the same thing, KD. Do you know what I mean? Like, LeBron doesn't interview every single year with Rachel Nichols, okay? That means that Rachel Nichols, who hosts maybe the most popular NBA show that's running on ESPN each day, that obviously leans towards it's less likely for her to go on TV and crush LeBron James because she obviously has a relationship with LeBron James. If you're Kevin Durant, he kind of did the same thing where he'll go every once in a while and talk to Bill Simmons, but it's still kind of different. And he goes on there and he's angry, right? Whereas LeBron clearly pushes narratives with the media people, creates his own content brand where he does want to say something spicy. He'll say it on his own brand where he can control the edit, but everything else, he's not in there with Rachel Nichols saying anything controversial. He's figured out how to control his narrative. Whereas this quote just shows me that Kevin Durant hasn't figured that out yet. And instead of figuring it out, he just crushes the media and fans, which being combative with those people isn't the way to make them like you. And you might claim that you don't care about that, but clearly you do. Do you know what I mean? It's... It's exhausting. That sigh was amazing. It must that be exhausting to be Kevin Durant. Right? And and it shouldn't be that no, way. No, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be that way. It, he cares far too much about what other people think. And now I think he's going to go to New York because if he does it in New York, then that will yeah. shut everybody up. And he'll be playing with Chris Stapps, Zion, <laughs> and Kyrie Irving. And it'll be <laughs> fucking awesome. That would be amazing. I'm almost rooting for that. Oh, that would be so, so... We just need... How do we get Zion to the Knicks? Uh, Yo, that would be so much fun. Um, That would be so much fun. And I know Zion to the Knicks, I guess that would be... We'd get to see the star power and how playing alongside those star players. I still think that if you're a star, you would want to play with LeBron... But I feel like the interesting point, and again, to, to use Bill Simmons as a reference point here, because I, I heard him make this point. I thought it was so interesting. He talked about the age groups of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love, right? They're in the age group that's a little less in the banana boat crew. Yeah. Right? So now that's two tiers below, right? You have the Kevin Love age group, plus or minus two years, and you have Kyrie, plus or minus two years. Those guys are well-liked dudes in the NBA, those are two guys that went through the spin cycle of playing with LeBron and dealing with the media news cycle day in, day out. Those guys are friends with a lot of people in the league, a lot of the stars, mm-hmm. right? Word gets around how you're treated, how LeBron builds narratives so that it's never his fault. And in turn, it ends up being your fault, whether LeBron planned that or not, that's just the way that it ends up being. And so that's why you have like Jimmy Butler's like, I don't really care that much to go play with LeBron. Yeah. Or Paul George is like, I'll chill in OKC. Yeah. Right? Or I mean, look uh, at Kawhi is like, I'm going to go with the Clippers. Look at Kevin Love. I mean, sure. Kevin Love was a superstar. Yeah. And then went to Cleveland and, you know, had to completely change his game. 
completely changed the kind of player he was. Now, he did it really successfully, and I'm sure he wouldn't trade the championship and the time that he had playing with LeBron, but you have to go into that situation with an open mind. You know, you know that you can't necessarily, in any basketball court where you're playing with LeBron James, you can't be the dominant personality there. Uh, I also thought it was kind of funny because they asked LeBron about Durant's comments, basically saying that it's a toxic... Like, obviously, they're not going to read the whole right. quote, but they said that, you know, he understands why people wouldn't want to play with them because the environment would become toxic. And LeBron says that he didn't hear the comments, which I don't... Don't buy it, no. But then says that he would need the necessary context, right? And he's like, that would be stupid on my part to comment. I'm a veteran, which I just thought was like an amazing quote from LeBron. But again, LeBron's so media gained on 100,000 trillion. Of course, he's stepping in front of cameras knowing what Kevin Durant said and knowing how he's going to answer it without answering it, but also knowing that, yeah, there needs context. Because the part about Kawhi, that to me, I think people took the wrong way. And because and, Durant was saying, if you're Kawhi, he, why would you want to go play with LeBron? Because you need the ball in yeah. your hands. And the younger guys developing their skills now, they want the ball in their hands. And so going to play with LeBron doesn't really help you, which obviously that's Kyrie. We saw that from Kyrie, right? I think that was taken all out of context, out of context because I think that's just true, right? Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like Kyrie, it made sense. Like, it's got to be so difficult to be a ball handler playing alongside LeBron where it's your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn. But if you're Anthony Davis, a big guy, that might be a lot easier for you to play alongside. Or a guy, shooter right? like Clay Thompson. Exactly. So if the pieces fit, cool. But if not, that might be more difficult. But yeah, I totally agree. I agree with you, Webby. I think star players should want to play with LeBron. It's just obviously if your game fits or not. That's a different yeah, story. Yeah, exactly. And, like, it's funny. Like like I say, I think that if you want to go play with LeBron, like, more power to you. But then again, if you're one of those people who says, no, like Jimmy Butler or, or Kyrie, like, I don't fault anybody in choosing to play where they want to play. That's the, that's the NBA we live in nowadays, and players have all the power. It's the way it should be, and they should be able to choose where they play and who they play with. Totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, sticking with LeBron and Clay Thompson and the Warriors and all that stuff, as you go to our Feed Me segment, which is just the funny things that come across our social media feeds from week to week, of course involving the NBA, and it's always fun week after week, but I found it interesting because the Warriors were in Cleveland this week, and so we got a bunch of quotes that I just thought were super funny, as even without LeBron... Yeah. The Warriors continue to troll the Cavs as if LeBron was there. And so they asked uh, Clay Thompson about the Cavs' Halloween party. And Clay Thompson says, because if you remember, after the Cavs won the championship, they threw this Halloween party the following year, and they had all the the band was called like 3 1 lead or some <laughs> yeah, shit yeah. like that. Remember, they had the cookies that had the 3 1 lead on it. Like they made this whole joke about it, right? And they had like the tombstones of Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and all that. Oh yeah. All this. So Clay Thompson said, Oh yeah, that was funny. Look how that turned out. Bums. 
Sorry. I laughed at <laughs> Let me try that again and not laugh in the middle of it, but I'll probably fail. But he says, oh, yeah, ha, huh. that was funny. Look at how that turned out, bums. That was crazy. I forgot about that. Well, look at what pettiness gets you. It gets you one and eight in the finals, idiots. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, low-key Clay. Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. But the trolling didn't stop there, Webby, because what also came across my social media timeline was Draymond Green on his IG account as he walks into the visitor's locker room in Cleveland. Now, this is a visitor's locker room, obviously, that Infamous. the Warriors are they're familiar with. Right? Yeah. They might have celebrated two championships in said locker room. And so Draymond walks in and he notices that it's all different, like they completely renovated it. And so he pulls out his camera phone and he starts recording and it's at Steph Curry. And it says, hey, looks like they got rid of the champagne fumes this time <laughs> as he walks through with a bunch of smiling emojis. I'm just happy to see Draymond still trolling, despite the fact that he's not playing right now. But he's still trolling in fine form. Of course. Uh, and why so, shouldn't he be? Um, I, funny, though, how they go after almost like the harmless Cleveland Cavaliers instead of going hard at LeBron. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. sure. We had to kick Cleveland when they're down, when, like, yeah. Colin Sexton is the best part of their team. Yeah, like what did Seti Osman do to you? Guys, yeah, right? that's right. Leave Seti alone. <laughs> Let Seti cook. Oh, man, amazing. Draymond also had some other comments saying uh, on if Golden State never came along, he said they probably would have won one more. Kyrie probably never would have left. Things would be a lot different. But, hey, sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, them's the breaks, right? Thanks, Draymond. So <laughs> funny. I like I'm here for the pettiness, obviously. This is why we do a whole podcast that just recaps the NBA pettiness week after week. Too much fun. But as we move on to our Ask on Blast podcast, which we throw in a little pop culture, right? Got it. And there's a lot of pop culture going on right now, but I want to ask you about one guy that I think holds a special place in both of our hearts. It's your man's Meek Millie. Woo! At least a new anthem, a new album called Champions, and Mr. Andrew Webster. What do you think of said album? It's the Meek Mill album we've been waiting for for so long. It really is. It's got everything that you'd want uh, on uh, literally everything that you'd want in a Meek album, okay? So we've got the Jay-Z and Ricky Rose track. We've got the track with Drake. And more importantly, this is what I love about Meek Mill, okay? There's nobody who's better in the rap game at side one, track one. Just every album that this guy makes, the first song, the first cut, is so fucking good. And Champions is no no different. That intro song with the um, Phil Collins drum beat is fucking fire. I'm going to correct myself. And the album is actually called Championships. And the intro song, you're right, Webby, is so good. And the thing about it to me is that we've heard that Phil Collins beat flipped a bunch of different yes, times. Yes, we have. And yet, when you hear it this time, I still rock with it. It's so dope. And the way that he flows on it, the way that they flipped it is dope. It's just a great, great track. And I know this is an easy take right now, the whole free, what's free. But that doesn't stop me from just gushing over 
how dope it is to flip one of the most iconic hip hop songs, right? Yeah. And turn that into what they did in terms of what that song means, in terms of what it means to be free as, you know, a former inmate, as a black man in America, as a hip hop artist, and what more you can possibly mean to the culture, right? Like, it's so genius. It's so impactful. It's such. And anytime you get Jay with the theme, like, don't get me wrong. I think Meek is dope on that track. Rick Ross was okay, too. Yeah. But anytime you get Jay with a theme, that's when we get the best Jay-Z featuring on, on tracks. And he did it big on that track. Yo, and you are like me. That the best thing that Jay has done over the last little while is... I mean, I'm so excited when I see featuring Jay-Z on other people's albums. Because I know that I'm in for a treat. He always brings it so hard. When he comes on other people's records. And you know what's so funny too? I love the fact that he has the line, the clever line about Kanye. Like so for for people who haven't heard the song, his whole thing about what's free, he's talking about being financially free, essentially, right? And talking about businesses and like, you know, striving for having more for people who come from the hood and come from nothing and all that, right? And striving to ownership and all that, and ownership in the music game, ownership in terms of people growing up in the hood and buying back the block and all that shit, right? And within this, he has a line talking about don't try to make him and Kanye rivals like they did to Michael Jackson and Prince. But in this whole thing, he makes a subtle, like, dope-ass line. The red hat line? Yes, but also don't compare me. Like he says, like my house is bigger, and then he says my spouse, and then stops and says, "Come on, man!" But you know he's about to say my spouse is better. Yeah, but stops himself, and the internet just went crazy. And here's his dope ass verse. But all anyone cares about is, oh, Jay said something about Kim Kardashian. Right, like so that I I got that too, and it totally bummed me out. To take yeah. away from this great track on this great album, it's like Jay doing what Jay does best. Like appreciate the talent and like don't make this a TMZ story. Like he obviously <laughs> exactly. like like we've heard this so many times before. Like Jay and Kanye are like brothers, and brothers don't always get along together at, like all the time, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Like right? there's ups and downs to brother relationships. And Jay and Kanye have that as well. But it doesn't mean that they don't love each other or that they're going to start beefing. It's so true, right? And the funniest part to me about it, Webby, was the fact that, okay, so that happens. The internet goes crazy. But it ends up being so crazy that it makes Jay-Z log into his Twitter account for the first time since June 15, 2017. Okay? <laughs> He had to log into Twitter the day after the album came out because Twitter was just going crazy. <laughs> he had to log in and he tweeted, The line clearly meant don't pit me against my brothers, no matter what our differences are. In in brackets, Red Hat. Now go pick up Meek album, Drake and Meek on there together. Like he had to go to Twitter to tweet I know. to be like, it's, there was Guys, like, let's stay focused here. And I thought that was like... Just as such a sign of this is so 2018. Exactly. You made the man probably have to recover his password, right? Because there's no way he remembers his Twitter password when you tweet (laughs) once a year or once every two years, right? Like, it's so amazing. But that's where we are in 2018. Either way, dope track, dope album. 
Now I've in the coming weeks we'll do our our top songs and albums. Yeah, together. we got to do our lists. And I'm not gonna lie, Meek is probably gonna be, and it's recency bias for sure, and I don't even care. But Meek is probably gonna be on my list. I'm just giving people fair warning now. So uh, that Earl Sweatshirt album could be up there too, because that was that came out the same day, and it was also amazing. But I've got a big recommendation for you as well, because today, uh, this Thursday, the Golden Globe nominations came out. Uh, a couple of good movies nominated, a couple not-so-good movies nominated, a couple of movies I haven't seen yet, but this is pop culture, and so it's m- music, movies, and TV, and I've got a film recommendation for you, Sheldon. And it's starring one of your favorite people. I'm listening. Okay, you know who Lakeith Stanfield is? Of course. Our boy from uh, Atlanta, right? Atlanta. Darius, yeah. Darius from Atlanta. Okay, yes. Darius from Atlanta is in this movie called Sorry to Bother You. Okay, it came out a little earlier this year. It's about Darius from Atlanta, Lakeith Stanfield, uh, and he's playing this guy who gets a job at a call center. Now, the whole movie is, like, taking place in this weird, like, it's in reality, but it, it's in Oakland, but it's very, like, I don't know, hyper-stylized or whatever. It's really, really interesting. Anyway, I cannot stop thinking about this movie. It goes in some really crazy, crazy directions. But okay. this is a movie okay. that you need to see and get back to me about. I'm in. I'm in. And, of course, all our recommendations are for us as we enjoy our conversation, but also for you, the listeners, as well, right? So we want to hear from you guys. What do you guys think? If you've seen the movie, let us know. If you have recommendations, also. Yeah, if you guys have some uh, movie recommendations for me, hit me up. But if you can find this, Shelly, it's on, uh, if you just Google, sorry to bother you, and Put Locker, just Google that. Okay. You'll find a stream. Just stream it. Watch okay. it. Tell me what you think. Because it is one of the craziest movies. Uh, and your girl, Tessa Thompson, you know who that is? Tessa Thompson, yes, 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 yes. Absolute stunner. Okay. Just absolute, okay. like, I want to be in her life. She's amazing. <laughs> that, yo, Webby, that's a rave review. I, I'm, just, I'm just saying I can't, that I, is a definite rave review. I can't stop thinking about this movie. It has one of the weirdest endings that you'll ever see. But it goes through, okay. like, race relations, labor... Uh, just what it means to like struggle to get by in the world and like the age that we're living in. It's really one of the most like 2018 movies that I've seen this year. I'm in. Sounds good. Uh, and, you know, as always, again, the recommendations are for the viewers as well. Let us know. And as the year ends, you know, let us know and send us your favorite albums of the year, favorite songs of the year. We'll talk about that because obviously we're big music heads. We love music, and so we'll be doing that in the coming weeks at some point. And you know what, Webby? I know we took a week off, but it was great to be back. Absolutely, right? man. Back in the swing of things. We got another crazy week of NBA action to watch, and then we'll get back to you with everything, all the crazy shit that happens in the next week. Exactly. And so this Ball on Blast podcast... You can find it on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play. You can find it Friday mornings with myself and Andrew Webster. You can find that, again, just search On Blast Podcast, and you'll find this, the Ball on Blast Podcast, where we talk everything NBA. Also, if YouTube works better for you, it's there on YouTube as well. 
And also on the same stream, you can find our Wrap It Up Raptors postgame show, which airs live on Twitter, at Shell Alexander, following each and every Toronto Raptors game. We're just trying to build up the basketball community here, right? You have couldn't, conversations I'm telling you, the game you, we love. you couldn't have picked a better season to start this Wrap It Up podcast. Hey. I mean, can you imagine history. Imagine starting this when Rafael Rujo was on the team <laughs> or Bargnani's first year. Like, well, I, I'm telling Jose you, you guys. Calderon, no? Yo, still in the league, by the way. Big Jose, still on the team. Still in the league. Still, still in the league. league, still getting them checks. Wait, what's Jalen say? Keep getting them checks, right? Keep getting them checks. Exactly. Not mad at you, Jose. Do your thing. Well, Mr. Andrew Webster, tell the people where they can find you to get all your Sixers Joel Embiid takes and movie reviews. And movie reviews. Yo, absolutely. Hit me up. A Webster 84. We're on there on Twitter, on there on Instagram. Uh, Hit me up. If you've seen some good movies or you're listening to some good hip hop or even other music, hit me up. Let me know what you're listening to. Love to hear from the people. And you can find me on Twitter at Shell Alexander and on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. And as I close each and every week on the Ball on Blast podcast, I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is the Ball on Blast podcast, as always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time. Yo, Shelly, you're going to have to uh, bring some new Meek Mill lines in there for the uh, close of these episodes now, my man. Going to give you some fresh material? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. All right. Peace. Yeah. This is Ball on Blast, part of the On Blast Podcast Network, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you like it, then subscribe and tell your friends. Holla.